the book of 1 Corinthians, and we're in chapter 3. And this morning I want to kind of pick up where we left off in 1 Corinthians 3, as we spoke of uh, last uh, time, three types of Christians. Uh, you usually find them in, even in Bible-believing churches. And uh, we noted that there were spiritual Christians, there are baby Christians, and there are carnal Christians. Verse 3 uh, says, For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal, and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another of I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Uh, strife uh, was a serious problem in the Corinthian church. Uh, the contention, the division was hurting the unity of the church. And Paul will address this particular topic several times in this letter. Uh, you find strife uh, in three particular times. Uh, and one we've already looked at, and it was the command concerning strife in chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. He said, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind, in the same judgment, for it hath been declared unto you, unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there, be, uh, that there are contentions among you. And then uh, there is the carnality of strife, which we've already looked at as well, uh, in verse 3, for ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? And then there's the complaint of strife that we'll see later in chapter 11, verse 18. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. Well, uh, Paul was rebuking uh, these baby Christians for their carnality, and he proceeded to describe the traits of carnal Christians. And we noted uh, last time there were three particular traits. One was a critical and divisive spirit. Another one was they were out of step with God. And another one was uh, they uh, engaged in preacher worship. Uh, today, uh, we want to continue from there and see what Paul has to say about working together in the local church, even as uh, with these three types of Christians that may be a part of that church and even a part of this church. So first of all, we notice with me the channel of blessing. The channels of blessing. Uh, verse 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man? Paul makes it very clear that God's men are the servants of the Lord. They are, in essence, just channels of blessing like any other Christian that is dedicated in serving the Lord. Uh, they are men that God used as they did uh, the will of God in their own lives. Now, God can use you if you will purpose to be a channel of blessing. Uh, the will of God this week may be that you encourage someone uh, with your love and your kindness. You say, well... Uh, that means i got to be nice to people. I don't like being nice to people. <laughs> well, I hope you realize that's a part of the Christian testimony, is to be loving and kind. Uh, during uh, the last major offensive of World War II, Dwight Eisenhower was walking near the, the Rhine and came upon a GI who seemed to be depressed. And he said, how are you feeling, son? 
General, I'm awful nervous. Well, Eisenhower said, you and I are a good pair then because I'm nervous too. Maybe if we just walk along together, we'll be good for each other. You know, that's true. You know, we, we can see things going on in our world to, today, and we say, boy, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's, it's really getting tough to, to, to deal with all this that's going on. You know, if we just walk together, maybe we can be a, a good for each other. Uh, words of encouragement go a long way, don't they? Don't you like to be encouraged? Don't you like someone to come up to you and encourage you? Hey, how about you encourage someone else? If you like it, someone else is going to be liking it too. And let me say that there may be someone in your path this week that needs your words of wisdom or encouragement. Someone might even need your assistance. Others may need to hear the gospel because they're empty inside and at the end of their ropes because they do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I guarantee you, if you wake up each day and ask the Lord to help you be a channel of blessing, he will help you fulfill that purpose. Next, notice the cause and the credit for growth. In verse three, or in chapter 3, verse 6, he says, I have planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. See, in these verses, in verses 6 through 8, Paul wants us to set this, the record straight about God's servants. He makes it clear that the work of God is a team effort. Some men plant the seed of God's word just like Paul. Others will water or nurture, nurture what has already been planted, just like Apollos. But it is the Lord that brings forth the fruit. The planters and the ones that do the irrigating are one. He is the one that gives the increase. And the point is so important that he mentions it twice. Now, in, uh, in the Greek, wor uh, Greek language, the word God or is theos, and it stands at the last in the sentence and it gives us great emphasis. God gives the increase. All right? It's interesting to note that the words planted and watered point to work that's already been done. The words giveth the increase, however, indicate that God's word is continual after it has begun. He keep, keeps increasing the efforts or the effects of his word and the work of his servants. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen, it doesn't matter if a man... Uh, Pastors a huge church like this one, you know, I often say this is a regional mega church, uh, not because of mega attendance, but because of mega miles that are traveled. Some of you traveled quite a ways today to get to church, and I appreciate that. I'm glad for that. I'm glad you're willing to do that. But God does not give big preachers or small preachers, uh, just faithful preachers, doing what they're called to do. And uh, someone asked me, uh, I was in a, a Sunday school class visiting a, a church one time, and somebody was asking or leading a discussion in the Sunday school class, and they said, what is the thing that, that is most important in a ministry? And uh, I, I gave an answer. My answer was, just show up. Just show up. And that's true for me, 
And it's true for you as well. You know, if you don't show up, then there's, you're not going to receive anything. And I'm not going to be able to get, you know, these chairs here, I'm not giving, they're not making anything out of this. Are you? No. If there is any gold in a man's poor, stammering tongue, it comes from God. Our responsibility is to fulfill God's purposes in our lives and be faithful in sharing the gospel. And when I say show up, that doesn't mean just show up to church. I mean, that's show up every day, doing what God wants you to do where you're called to do it. Someone has said true freedom is not a question of doing as we like, but doing as we ought. There was a 19th century preacher he used to tell the interesting story about two paddle boats. The two boats, powered by coal, left Memphis about the same time, traveling down the Mississippi River to New Orleans. And as they traveled side by side, sailors from one vessel made critical remarks and jokes about the snail's pace of the other boat. Heated words were exchanged between the men of the two boats. Challenges were made, and so they began to race. The competition was hot and heavy as the two boats roared through the deep south. Eventually, one boat began falling behind. The problem? It didn't have enough fuel. There had been plenty of coal for the trip, but not enough for a race. As the boat dropped back, an enterprising young sailor took some of the ship's cargo and tossed it into the boat's ovens. And when this, his fellow sailors saw that the supplies burned as well as the coal, they fueled their boat with the material they had been assigned to transport. Guess what? They ended up winning the race, but they burned all the cargo. Now, how does that apply to you and me? Well, see, the men on the winning boat did what they liked, which was winning the race. But the price for that victory was very expensive, wasn't it? That boat's cargo, the very reason they were traveling down the river in the first place, was sacrificed. So they failed to do what they ought to have done, which was safely transport their cargo. They did not fulfill their purpose. You may have not thought about it, but God has entrusted each one of us with cargo. Our cargo is other people, maybe friends or family, the ability he's given us to help someone by our encouragement, by our love, and by our witness for the Lord Jesus Christ, sharing the gospel. And we're responsible for this cargo. And we ought to cherish it in our journey through life. And yet, like the men on the winning boat, we often fail in our responsibility. Yeah, but we won. Yeah, but you didn't get the cargo where it was supposed to go. If we're not careful, we'll go through life serving and glorifying ourselves and trying to be number one instead of being faithful and fulfilling the purpose that God has given to us for our lives. Let's be faithful. Let's be responsible in doing the will of God. Notice, thirdly, the consequences of our labor. Verse 8, every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Every believer will face his reward one day, whether it be good or bad. And the reward that God has for us is based on our faithful service and our labor for him. Not success, 
or results in the eyes of men. God is concerned about our faithfulness. So let's try to stop, let's stop trying to impress people. Work on impressing God with your obedience. You know, some may serve the Lord in difficult areas where people are hostile to the gospel. Others may be very open to the word. They respond uh, in, uh, in, in great numbers. Jeremiah was one of God's most faithful, dedicated prophets, and yet he saw very little results in his ministry. He was ridiculed. He was persecuted. He was generally rejected along with the message that he preached. Think about Jonah. Jonah, on the other hand, was, uh, uh, was petty and he was unwilling. And yet through him, God won an entire city of Nineveh in one brief campaign. See, our usefulness and our effectiveness are purely by God's grace. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 10 says, But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. You see, our job again is to be faithful until he returns. And when he does return, you meet your reward. It may be magnificent or it may be meager based on your labor to him. Romans 14 and verse 12 says, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Isaiah 3 and verse 10 says, Say ye to the righteous, that ye shall be well, it shall be well with him, for they shall eat the fruit of their doings. Isaiah 40 and verse 10, Behold, the Lord God will come with a strong hand, and his arm shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. Matthew 16, verse 27, For the Son of Man shall come in glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Revelation twenty-two, twelve, And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as the work his work shall be. Listen, there are rewards for faithfulness, but not necessarily down here. We will receive some of God's blessings here, that's, that's for sure. But the best is yet to come when we're with the Lord. Notice the credentials, fourthly, the credentials of the Christian. Verse 9, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. God, Paul gives the credentials of every believer in this verse. Each credential reveals important truths for today. First of all, we are companions. We are laborers together with God. As servants of the Lord, we labor for Him together. We're companions serving the Lord. I think sometimes there are churches, even so-called good churches, where people forget that. Everybody's out for themselves and not for what the, the, the Lord has for them to do as a church or as a group or as a team. We're companions serving the, the Lord. We're serving the Lord, and we also are companions with Him. You see, the Holy Spirit indwells each believer. He leads and guides us and empowers us to do the will of God in our lives and fulfill God's purpose. What a blessing to have God's or Christian companions and to have the Lord as a companion all the time, day after day. John 14, verse 16 says, And I will pray the Father, he shall give you a, another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. 
even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth in you and shall be in you. Isaiah 43 and verse 2, When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee, and through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Deuteronomy 31.6, Be strong and of good courage. Fear not, and be, uh, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Do you believe God? Or are you still afraid of something? Are we going to take God at his word? Isaiah 41.10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Hebrews 13.5, of course, uh, where uh, these things that were said in Isaiah and Deuteronomy are, are reemphasized. Let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. We are companions. Companions with one another in the Lord's work and companions with the Lord in his work. We are God's crop. It says ye are God's husbandry. The word husbandry occurs nowhere else in the New Testament. It means a tilled or cultivated field, a vineyard. In other words, it means a crop. That which you planted and you hope to harvest someday, it's the crop. Believers are God's crop that he is nurturing to help them grow and become fruitful. John, Jesus said in John 15, 1, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. He's the, the, the worker, the, 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 the uh, farmer, the one who has done the planting. In that sense, the idea that we are like tender plants or God's crop is repeatedly mentioned all throughout the scriptures in both the Old and the New Testament. In John 15, 5, he says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Psalm 1, verse 3, it says, And he shall be like the tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. Psalm 92 and verse 12, The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Matthew chapter 13 verse 29 says, But he said, Nay, lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and in time of harvest I will say to the reapers, Gather ye first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them, and then gather the wheat into my barn. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth forth her fruits, her roots by the river, and shall not... See that when the heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Isaiah 58 and verse 11, And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. 
Colossians 1.10, that you might walk worthy, worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I wonder, are you a growing, fruitful plant this morning, or are you dying on the vine? We are God's crop. And then we are God's construction. He says, year of God's building. He's still working on us. It doesn't matter what your age this morning. He's still working on you. He's still trying to build something out of your life. Paul mentions this through a thought throughout the epistles and that we're God's construction project. As he builds our lives, he lives within us. And we're a full-time job for him. And some, uh, some of us know how full-time that is. got to be. He never goes home at 5 p.m. Because we are his home. He gets the glory because he's the architect. He's the builder. 1 Corinthians 3, and go on down to verse 16 and 17. You notice there it says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. In 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 16, And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are of the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Ephesians 2 and verse 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a, a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye are also builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. 1 Peter 2, 5, ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer sacrifice, uh, spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. It was the founder of Gordon Con Conwell Divinity School, A.J. Gordon, told of being outside walking and looking across a field in, at a house, and there beside the house uh, was uh, what looked like a man pumping furiously on one of those hand pumps. As Gordon watched, the man continued pumping at a tremendous rate. He seemed absolutely tireless, pumping on and on and on, up and down, without ever slowing down in the slight. He didn't stop. And it was a remarkable sight, so Gordon walked toward this man. As he got closer, he could see that it was not a man at the pump, but a wooden figure painted to look like a man. The arm that was pumping so rapidly was hinged at the elbow and the hand was wired to the pump handle. The water was pouring forth, but not because the figure was pumping it. You see, it was the artesian well and the water was pumping the man. Listen, when you see a man who's work at work for God and he's producing results, recognize this, that it's the Holy Spirit working through him. It's not the man's uh, personality. It's not the man's schemes that are changing people's lives. Our responsibility as believers is to do our best for the Lord, keep our hand on the handle in laboring for him, and let the Holy Spirit empower our lives and bless our work. Let the Holy Spirit do the pumping. 
You know, if we fail to be uh, responsible in serving Christ, we stop growing for the Lord and start behaving like a bunch of babies. And that's what Paul's dealing with here. Spiritual babies. Let's not be baby Christians. Let's not be carnal Christians. But let us be the spiritual Christians that God wants us to be. Let us be faithful in the work of this local church. Now, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can work in a church and you can do good and it won't do you any, any good. To no avail. It will not get you to heaven. You must first put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and then you serve him. As Ephesians 2 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And I trust this morning that your desire is to serve the Lord, do the work that God's given us. Let's be the companions that God intended us to be. And let's then see the crop. We are God's crop, and we'll see fruit. Now, we're still in the building process, and some of us need more building than others, but we're still being built by the Lord and His work. And I trust that the Holy Spirit will do the pumping in our lives, and we'll see uh, the blessing of the Lord. Let's pray.